0: Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Igor Belakronitsky, and I am with PwC Strategy End, where I help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. Today, I'm delighted to have with us Shri Krishnamoni, who's a partner in our customer transformation practice. He's focused on healthcare digital transformation and virtual care, which is what we're gonna be talking about today. And also with us today is Xu Ting Xiao, who's a director with our customer transformation team, where she focuses on health digital transformation as well. And so Sri and Ting, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Igor. And it's a
0: pleasure to be here with you all today.
2: Thank you, Igor, for having us.
0: Excellent. Well, in preparing for this conversation, I was remembering when I was very little, the district physician would come over when I was sick. My parents would call her. She'd come to our apartment building and she'd take my temperature, she'd use her stethoscope. She had a wooden tongue depressor and a notebook where she took notes, but it was fairly low tech. And so she would check me out and then she would go and have tea with my family in the kitchen. And it seems like we're back in the world of a house call and we seem to be back towards taking care of people in their homes. But also things have changed quite a bit. And so I'm wondering if you tell me a little bit about how things are changing around taking care of people's health in their homes.
1: Igor, you're right on care at home has been around for a while, so that concept isn't entirely new. But I think what is different right now is that high touch that you just described is combined with high tech that I think allows that model to be much more effective. I think as organizations are moving and healthcare overall is moving to value-based care, there's a real need to make sure that patients are being cared for beyond just the episodic care that traditionally happens today. So that means being able to monitor a patient or care for a patient after they have had an acute episode, or even being able to manage their health conditions for a longer term, right? Especially if they have chronic condition and other comorbidities that need to be dealt with. And I think that's where technology is playing a crucial role. So a lot of advances that have happened recently in cloud computing, the advent of a lot of devices, wearable devices, a number of them are medically approved, along with the ability to process these data streams and be able to analyze them is really allowing a model of high touch and high tech. And I think that's the exciting part. You would see that in the last five years, while a lot of monitoring has taken place in the hospital, a number of use cases are now emerging where a patient could be on a monitor after an acute episode, let's say, measuring their blood pressure or their heart rate, even continuously and that data being fed back to a clinical care team. Combined with analytics, it can allow insights to be generated and the right interventions to be driven back to the patient to improve their overall health and well-being. I think that's what is really exciting and different about the model now.
2: Yeah, exactly right, Shree. With this tech-enabled care at home models are already demonstrating a number of positive results here. For example, regarding improvement in care outcome, it depends on the program or the use case you're looking at. Reduced readmission could be up to 70%. Lens of stay could be reduced by 30 to 40% around that range. Similarly, for reduced cost of care, so if you think about like acute care that is rendered at home, it can actually be 40% cheaper than a traditional inpatient admission in the hospital, especially when you consider Medicare is moving to value-based arrangement 100% by 2030. So technically, care outcome and value are going to be particularly important for the provider and the Medicare Advantage plans, really. Through the lens of patient, beside the better care outcome, we can offer them the opportunity to mend their health in the comfort of their own home. And it certainly can be a patient satisfier. And beside all this point, healthcare organization can also truly ride this tide to create this kind of brand new care delivery model with dedicated resources, assets and operations. Can truly unlock a set of new opportunities and benefit overall. And we certainly have seen new vendors, you know, new entrants of Turkey Solution vendors emerge from the market and also select health systems, start their pilots and small scale operations out there.
0: Well, you've painted a very compelling picture of what happens when we add technology to this model for caring for people at home. And certainly in pretty much all the other industries, when we've added technologies, things have gotten better, safer, faster, more convenient, more affordable. But that hasn't really been always the case in healthcare. Sometimes technology, when added to healthcare, does not have those positive effects. And as organizations evaluate their opportunities in the space, what do they need to be mindful of? What do they need to watch out for as they're adding more technology to these care at home models?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, Igor. So among the organizations that have started the development of this type of service offering, we typically see them pick it up at a topic level. So at a pieces of it, right? For example, when we talk about remote patient monitoring, occasionally we even see organization calling RPM and the tech enabled home-based care interchangeably. But if you really want to build this infrastructure and not just just technology, it could be the entire operations, right? This infrastructure that can support a number of use cases and is also scalable. We think it's important to think about it holistically so for example, think about a simple journey, right? You start with you know, the ability to be able to identify the qualified candidate intelligently for a program, say a chronic condition management program that is dedicated for a CHSA patient. And then you enroll that patient to the right program, which could come with a number of defined set of pathways or protocols. You then follow that process with onboarding the patient which may include a device or equipment delivered deliver and set up at patient's home. We need to make sure the patient is settled in, feeling supported, and know what to do and what to expect from there. Then you have to manage the health, say, via a remote patient monitoring centric approach. You'll be able to quickly perform triage or escalations when a vital or patient reported symptom is kind of abnormal. That might result in on-demand virtual interaction or care coordination activities to get the patient to see a specialist in person. And along that same care journey, you might want to support the patient to address their social determinant health-related needs. Meanwhile, the patient and their caregivers should be provided information and tools so they can have the visibility into their health and even take action against a certain plan for them. And behind the scene, clinicians need to be armed with the right tool to perform their job. And you as the program manager, based on the specific financial arrangement that you have, you will need to perform billing accordingly. So this is kind of a simple end-to-end journey. And hopefully this example gives our audience a glimpse of what the end-to-end flow might look like. And here we're really talking about four big buckets of capabilities. Number one is really your core program related enablement. This could be the management of the life cycle of the patient, the workflow that allows our providers and care managers to do their job, the empowerment of the patient or caregivers to manage their health or their needs and remote patient monitoring, right? Any additional service enablement, maybe it could be therapy or medication related that will enable the holistic care delivery. And the second pillar will be management of your own asset. That could mean supply chain management devices, manage your clinician workforce, manage your services overall, or coordination with third-party partners. And the third one will be the backend side, which we use billing here as an example. And there's also an underlying analytics layer that you need to think about where you want to gather the data, generate intelligence and also embed those intelligence in the workflow so it can be actionable. So what we're saying here is you need an ecosystem of capabilities to truly drive health and wellness of patients as a whole person. And this also means that, you know, we need a suite of technology solutions to enable this tech-enabled home-based care. I
1: think Ting laid out an excellent perspective around the overall tech ecosystem that is needed to enable home-based care and to me, at least the key takeaway is it's not just remote patient monitoring, it's a number of other systems like supply chain, auto management, medication management that need to all come together to deliver the care. Going back to your question, Igor, I think you're absolutely right. Technology is, you know, doesn't have a lot of value if you cannot drive adoption for both the patient and the clinician. So I would say a few things to keep in mind as you think about how you leverage technology to make a difference. I think the first and foremost is to really emphasize the user experience and think about the user experience. And by that, I mean not just intuitive tools that you would put in place for, let's say, a patient to be able to set up a device at home by themselves. I think we're all familiar with the advent of smartphone devices and how intuitive it has become. But it's also being able to provide high-touch support that we talked about when needed. So with high-tech comes high-touch. And as an example, if a patient needs to do something by themselves at home, which is to install a device or to be able to take readings from a device, I think education is important. So thinking about how you would drive that education at the time of discharge, for example, or how would you potentially send someone to the home to help with an issue or even provide an ability for them to call in and talk to someone that can help them fix the issue or manage them through the issue that they're facing. So I think user experience is critically important. The second thing that I would say from a complexity perspective is integration. And there is a number of devices, obviously, and that device ecosystem continues to rapidly evolve and expand. So you need to think about a platform that you can deploy on which a number of devices can be integrated, they can be securely tested. And then you also need to think about driving integration back to the core platforms the health systems have. For example, in EHR, and I think decisions need to be made in terms of what you bring in to the EHR and what you might not. And as an example, there'll be a number of alerts generated when data comes through. Those alerts will have to meaningfully be integrated into the EHR so that they are able to drive the right intervention. And going back to that theme of high touch, which seems to be the theme of today, we would need to think about potentially putting in a command center, staff with nurses and clinicians who can look at that data and alleviate the clinical burden of looking at all the different data streams that may be coming in. And that is critical for improving provider options. So I think a combination of tactics and strategies that can actually help improve patient adoption, including training, including self-service support, and then things that can help clinician adoption, command center example was one example that came to my mind, I think those are both critical to be able to ensure that we get the most value from this technology.
0: and Ting, you've painted a great picture for us for what good looks like, but it also sounds like it's a ton of work to build the necessary capabilities so that everything is user friendly and seamless on the front stage and also integrated and secure on the backstage. So how does a health organization go about building all these necessary capabilities to be able to deliver this kind of service?
1: Well, that's an interesting question, right? I think if you look at the evolution that has happened in the last few years, the ability to monitor someone at home has existed, right? And a lot of health systems that we work with have deployed solutions, what I would call them as point solutions because they solve a specific use case, and I think the challenge is while those strategies can get you, you know, maybe 200 patients or even less on the technology in order to truly drive this at scale, you need. A broader platform that can meet a number of use cases, right? So the best way to start thinking through that is to establish your vision of what are you trying to achieve from the home-based care model? How does that tie back to some of the key metrics that Ting was talking about earlier? Average length of stay reduction, potentially readmission rate reduction, right? And then what are the specific programs and use cases you would need to deploy? I think taking that broad view would help paint a picture of the technology capabilities you will need. Some of that Ting talked about as well and then really beginning to identify where you have gaps. The good news is that the market has evolved to a point where not everything needs to be built, right? I think once you've laid that ecosystem view down and you've had an idea of what your capabilities are, then you can think about how you round those out. So as an example, when you think about the core monitoring stack and all the devices that will need to be integrated into that stack and that data integrating back to the EHR, the market has certainly evolved to a point where There are a number of players you could consider that can bring that capability. And interestingly, those partners might not just bring the technology. They could certainly bring the technology, but they can help you with additional wraparound services, including clinical services. So that command center example that I talked about a few minutes ago, I think there are players that can bring that to bear as well. So there's an approach to build out what you would need to and potentially partner with others to help fill out those capabilities. At the end of the day, I think, the strategy you take is dependent on a few considerations in terms of whether you build something or whether you buy or partner with someone, right? And I think it's based on your current capabilities, how long can you wait to get to market some of these use cases you might need to bring to market pretty soon, and then the maturity of the landscape where you can potentially partner with someone versus building it. But I think it's a combination of these three that can get you value quickly. And I think it's critical that we start with a pilot toward the value and then scale more broadly.
0: Very helpful. And it certainly makes the path a little bit more clear and manageable. And so maybe just as a final question, if you're a leader of a health organization that's embarking on this journey, what's the very first step that you should take?
2: Yeah. So the question here is right. Before you go out and gather resources and even buy things, you really need to start with a clear offering definition and a business case to back this up. It's important to understand why you're doing this, what's the vision, and what type of experience you want to deliver. You certainly don't want to be everything to everyone. And along this offering definition and business case process, aligning internally across sponsors and operational leaders are also critical for two key reasons. One is their input can help you understand what makes sense for your organization. And the second piece is this is a new care model and it's going to be transformational for many of the organizations out there. And these are going to be your champions in driving organizational operational and cultural change to make sure it's successful. And say once you get the definition and buy-in in place, as you need to stand up the model itself, I'd say it's still a relatively innovative space and the readiness differs quite a bit across the organizations. So a big bang will be too risky and it takes too long to activate. As said earlier, right, consider picking one or two use cases that can deliver immediate results. This also helps you to stay focused and gain momentum. Along with the initial launches, have a spirit of test and learn and also be okay with fail fast and be ready to pivot if certain models or use cases don't work for your organization or population a little bit of entrepreneurship along this process will take you a long way.
0: and Ting, thanks for painting such a compelling picture for us and showing us both the possibility as well as the nuance and the detail and making it practical and implementable. This is a very exciting idea. And so thanks for joining us and sharing your insights.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us, Igor. It's been a pleasure to be here.
0: For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health.
2: This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved.